The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network, and we've got a tremendous three hours for you as I will try to regain my voice here in a few seconds, but with that said, the reason why we're out of voice right now is because we've got so many college basketball games coming up for Saturday. How about 150 of them? We're going to be going through as many as humanly possible on this show, and then we're going to have... Our good friend Wes Reynolds, he does a great job over here at VSIN. He covers a little bit of everything. We're going to be talking with him about a little bit of the Big Ten action that we're going to be seeing, and then we are going to be trying to dive into as much action as possible for this Saturday. If there's a game that you want me to break down, if there's something that you want me to just do a little bit more of a deep dive on, at GRSquirty1 on Twitter, we're going to try to hit as many of those as possible because You've got the Coast to Coast Hoops podcast that'll be up at midnight Pacific time where I break down every last one of these, by the way. We're clocking in four hours and 39 minutes, by the way. So, yeah, we wound up having a little bit of a long one in this edition. But that said, we're going to be covering as many games as humanly possible. So that's pretty much what we've got tonight. Just breaking down college basketball games, trying to get you guys to the window as many times as humanly possible and as many games as humanly possible because as I always say it does not matter whether you're betting on the Super Bowl if you're betting on the World Series if you're betting on Duke versus North Carolina or how about if we scroll down the board Bryant versus Mount St. Mary's it does not matter which of those games you wind up going to now Super Bowl you might be able to get a little bit of better limits than this Bryant versus Mount St. Mary's game but hey there's money to be made on Mount St. Mary's. I made them a four-point favor. Right now, I'm seeing them between one and a half and two. So there's always money to be made on all these games. And don't be bashful about it either because, I, mean, if, in my opinion, I always think that some of these games that are a little bit more off the beaten path are a little bit more, I guess you could call it, fun in general because you have people asking, oh, how'd you wind up making money on Mount St. Mary's or something like that? And yeah, we'll dive into it. You can win a few bar bets with that. But we actually do have one game that is currently live with regards to this college basketball Friday as well. That would be Nevada versus Fresno State. Got about 355 left in this one. Looks like Fresno State's going to be adding to the free throw line. 60 to 47. This is a total that closed anywhere between 131 and 132. Was a total that wound up from the open. Not really moving a whole heck of a lot. Some places it moved a point. 
Some places didn't really move at all. And Fresno State went from a nine-point favorite to an 11-point favorite. Nevada has been dealing with some injuries, especially with the backcourt with Grant Sherfield. So that wound up causing a little bit of a move on this game as of right now. It is in relatively good shape. And if you're taking a look at this thing live, you're going to be probably, if you're able to get in on it, if you're able to get in on it, because this is the last media timeout, looking at right around what we've got right now with regards to the differential, right around a 13-ish. So we're going to be taking a look at this. If you do wind up getting an eight-point game with a minute left to go and you're on the under, that is going to cause for a little bit of sweat because, as we know, that leads to late game fouling. And in general, if you're taking a look at college basketball this season, you've been noticing a relatively even split between overs and unders. And we haven't necessarily seen a whole lot wind up coming to the forefront with regards to trends. What I've been noticing this year is that it feels like darn near every single day has its own sort of entity. There are some days in which you wind up just having an over day. Some days you wind up having an under day. And to my point with this, if you're looking at college basketball this season, 1,747 games have wound up going over the total and <clears throat> excuse me, 1,001. 1,745 games have wound up going under the total. So it's been a relatively equal split. You've got home underdogs hitting right around 50.5%. Typically, you'd expect this to be actually a little bit higher. If you're just looking at the last seven days in general in college basketball, you've actually noticed that overs have been able to do relatively well at home underdogs. They're right around 59 and 63 against the spread. So hasn't necessarily been that great. You did wind up seeing some calamities that I'll be getting into in a minute from this Friday slate. And you did wind up seeing quite a few unders on this day as well. As of right now, you've got 12 under seven overs. Obviously, this game is currently pending. But when it comes to what you wind up seeing in college basketball, if you, like me, wound up having Colorado State, that was a absolutely brutal beat. And that is something that we've been noticing a lot more of in college basketball this season. You have some of these just absolutely ridiculous runs. I mean, if you wound up taking that Harvard versus Brown game as well, you know exactly what I'm talking about in which Brown wound up having, I kid you not here, two points in the first 15 minutes of the game. That's always just happy action fun time right there where you just wind up having... More bricks than a masonry event. And if you wanted betting the second half in that game, it was actually cash money for you on, Bra on Brown. But certainly that's not necessarily what you were hoping for. But Colorado State certainly has been a interesting team to gauge, to say the least, this season. And it's a game that myself and many others, or a team in which myself and many others have really liked because they did wind up bringing back darn near everyone from their roster last season. But they seem to also be like your buddy at the bar when it comes to closing because, well, they were in very good shape throughout the entirety of this game, and then they wind up having things just explode on them late. To my point, they were up at one point, 52 to 38 with about seven minutes left to go. I think that the high point in this one was when they were up by kind of 49 to 30 with about nine minutes left in the second half. That's one that you got to believe should be able to get there. They were up at one point by 20 as well, so we can't forget that, but... When it comes to Colorado State, it's going to be interesting to see how they wind up doing moving forward because it's a team that they looked prior to their COVID cause, prior to their COVID pause, very, very solid. And you also saw that with St. Louis last year. You may recall they were a top 25 team, got off to a blazing start. They wind up going through their COVID-19 pause. And then from there, they just weren't necessarily the same team. I think we might be seeing a little bit of that when it comes to Colorado State as well. And I think that that's the important thing to gauge when it comes to some of these teams that they do wind up having a little bit of an extended break. Like I said, if you like me wound up having 
somewhere in the neighborhood of about we're we're gonna go with the opener of two and a half to four, which is where I wound up closing. Regardless of your closing line value, regardless of when you wound up taking Colorado State, that was brutal. Regardless of when you wound up taking San Diego State, that was very glorious for you as well. Because with every bad beat, there's also a relatively fortunate win as well. We might be looking at one of those. Nevada versus Fresno State, currently 64 to 51. You've got two minutes and change remaining. If you have the under, you're hoping for no fouling whatsoever late in this game. If you have... Nevada, or if you wind up having the over, you are praying that this thing is about eight minutes with regards to the differential with about a minute left to go, because you know what that means. So we're going to be diving into that. But also when it comes to college basketball, what I think is really intriguing as well is gauging some of these home courts, because I don't think that they're all created equal. Something that I want to talking about on the coast to coast Hoops podcast with Matt Cox of the three man weave is that you'll notice in some of these conferences, Home court advantage just really doesn't mean as much because the travel that it takes to get to that home court, I think is really important. It's why you wind up seeing a league like the Summit League where you've got teams out there in the Dakotas and then you've got teams out there in like Tulsa, Oklahoma, the University of Missouri, Kansas City, a.k.a. UMKC. They are out there as well with having something that is that spaced out. You do wind up having a case in which Home court advantage, I think, is very meaningful because it just is such a slog to try to get to some of these arenas, and I think that that is something that really needs to be taken into account. Meanwhile, you wind up seeing on Friday a whole bunch of games from the Metro Atlantic. The Metro Atlantic is what it sounds like. Bunch of schools out there in the state of New York, the state of New Jersey. A lot of these places are bus rides away, and you wind up seeing... A lot of road teams wind up being able to cover. Ryder winds up winning outright against Siena. You have Iona win, but not cover as a road team against Canisius. That was a line that was 11. That just wound up getting up a little bit too lofty. A team like Fairfield was able to cover, despite the fact that they don't wind up getting the outright win against Monmouth. That's another thing that you want to be taking a look at. Oftentimes, these teams that they wind up starting out super-duper hot to begin the season, well, Sometimes they wind up just cooling down late with regards to against the spread record. There was a Monmouth bunch that wound up starting out 11-0 against the spread this season. I believe that they've now covered just three out of their last nine games. And that's always a reversal that you want to be taking a look at. There are some things that they're just constants like IUPUI. They have scored 60 points or fewer in all but one of their D1 games this season. And well, when it comes down to it, unless if you wind up seeing a move on the number, you just got to keep taking unders because, as I always say, you're not betting teams, you're you're betting numbers. And that's especially true with, true with total because that's all that you're betting. You're not necessarily betting on a team against a spread or anything like that because you're just gauging exactly how the team is going to be scoring. And that's, in my, can, in my opinion, one in which you're able to really utilize that as well. But when it comes to what we're going to be seeing on Saturday, I think that it's going to be really intriguing with so many short home underdogs. I mean, you look no further than the Duke versus North Carolina game. That is going to be the DK Nation pick. We're going to be hitting that at 11 p.m. Pacific time, 2 a.m. Eastern time. I think that that is one that is really going to be worth gauging. Something else that is going to be really worth gauging as well. It's some of these teams coming off of very emotional highs, like a Texas Tech versus West Virginia. You've got a Texas Tech team that they wound up being able to knock off their former coach and Chris Beard. They wind up having all the, all these celebration, jubilation of that. And that is going to be a really intriguing spot to be able to take a look at. And we're going to have a lot of rivalries in general 
both this week and next week when it comes to college basketball. Like I mentioned, you got the biggest of the big ones with Duke versus North Carolina, but there are a lot of under-the-radar rivalries that I think are going to be really worth taking note of, and just some of those games in general. They wind up having their own feel. Some of these games, they do wind up involving some of these past trends in some of these games. Well, past trends, they really don't do much for you as well. So we've got a lot coming up with regards to college basketball on this show. We're going to be starting to dive into the card next. Wes Reynolds does a great job with the network. He's going to be joining me in about 20 minutes, 10.30 p.m. Pacific. If you're out there on the East Coast, 1.30 a.m. Eastern. So we're going to be diving into Saturday's big giant card next right here on Coast, uh, right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zindic Team Vouchers. It is a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes, tip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups and no more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zindicate pouches are are smoke-free, spit-free, and they're available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes with two strengths, so that way you can find the satisfaction level that is perfect for you. Zin is America's number one nicotine pouch and is available in 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning that it's never been easier to find your Zin. So head on over to ZYN.com slash find to be able to locate the store that is nearest you. That is ZYN.com slash slash fine and warning this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine is an addictive chemical as we're back here on the Greg Peterson experience with myself Greg Oops Peterson and now that we have we have taken a look at everything that we wound up seeing on Friday and game is just one final between Nevada and Fresno State by the way if you were on the under you fortunately were able to avoid a what would be a really bad beat 73 to 56 final in this one Fresno State, they get to the window. They are able to get the job done. So they were able to get it done. 
Now it's time to get into everything and stop calling this show my podcast where we wound up doing all 150 games. But that's it. That said, I know that a lot of you guys wound up asking me about this game and any games that you want me to dive into. At out one on Twitter, able to give you a deep dive on as many of these as humanly possible. And like I said, it doesn't matter whether it's Duke versus North Carolina, Michigan, Purdue, Iowa State, Texas, list goes on and on. Or if it's something out there in the SWAC, the MEAC, the Atlantic Sun, what have you, we're going to dive into all of them. So whatever you want me to do a little bit of a deep dive on, I've got you covered, but we're going to be starting with one of the earliest games, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern time. We go 6.05, 6.06 on the betting board. You saw the notable games on the screen just a second ago, and this is one of them. Illinois going on the road. They're facing off against Indiana. Indiana's finding themselves anywhere between a one and one and a half point favorite. And your total on this game, you're going to be getting it anywhere between a 137 and a 138. It was Illinois that opened up the favorite. Now it's Indiana the favorite. I think that that's really intriguing because... I set my line on this game at one right now at DraftKings. We just saw this wind up going to one with juice. So this is going to be a really interesting handicap. I would say that if this winds up getting up to, I would say like a two, I'll be taking a look at Illinois. If we wind up seeing a bunch of ones like right now at where I'm at right now, Circa, we're seeing a one. I would rather just take the one pretty much you're picking who you think is going to be able to win the game in this one. And I think the biggest thing is just trying to be able to reduce the juice if at all possible, try to maybe take a one. If you wind up getting like a even money one on Illinois, if you wind up getting a little bit more even money on Indiana, I think that that's a good way to be able to go about it because I just, the odds of this game landing one is just so slim, but you do take a look at this spot. And I do think that Indiana should be able to win this game. All right. Because I do think that Trace Jackson Davis and race Thompson actually match up relatively well with Kofi Coburn. Coburn is amazing. I mean, he's been able to get the team 22 points, 11 boards. He's chipping in their block per game. And also you want to know for Illinois, Andre Corbello is back for the team, but he only wanted playing. I think it was something like 11 to 12 minutes in that game against Wisconsin. And if you do wind up having Andre Corbello give you more minutes in this game, it's one of those things in which it's either going to be really, really good or really bad. You really don't have much in between when it comes to Andre Corbello. We saw him really blow that game against Marquette a little bit earlier in the season. Then also in that game that he wanted returning for against Purdue, he looked really solid in that game. The big thing is the turnovers, because if Andre Cabral is turning the ball over, that is going to be leading to doomsday for Illinois. If he's not turning the ball over, then Illinois is going to be looking relatively solid because you've got Trent Frazier along Jacob Granderson. Both of these guys, very good three-point shooters for this team. Illinois as a whole, they rank in the top 25 in all of college basketball with regards to three-point shooting percentage in Indiana. He's, they've been able to shoot about 35, 36% from three-point range. You've got quite a few guys like a Parker Stewart, like a Miller Cop. They're able to throw it in from distance. The big thing for them is just being able to cut down on their turnovers as well. They've been turning the ball over right around 13 and a half times per game. Illinois, not necessarily great at being able to get seals. They're not terrible either. So you've got a pair of teams that turn the ball over a little bit more than what you'd like. Indiana's turnover wolves, I would say, are a little bit worse. But when it comes to Ray Thompson, he's the guy that really is the forgotten piece for Indiana because everyone looks at Trace Jackson Davis and, I mean, rightfully so, Trace Jackson Davis, 18 points, eight boards. He's able to give you just below three blocks per game, but certainly is a case in which you do want to be taking note of a guy that is able to give you 10 points, seven and a half rebounds per game for this Indiana bunch. And we've seen it with Indiana just so many times. 
the magic that you wind up getting at Bloomington at Assembly Hall. I do think that that is going to be able to win the day. I'd like Indiana to be able to win this game outright. I set this line at one. So right now, seeing it's battering between one and one and a half, I would rather lay a one rather than take a one and a half at this point. Once you wind up getting to two, then that would be really my buy point on Illinois. Also keep in mind that the opener on this game was Illinois laying a point as well. So we're going to be taking a look at that and how this winds up moving because I guarantee you we're probably going to be seeing a little bit of a move on this game at some point. And we've seen the total rise as well because this actually opened up at 135. Right now we're seeing it anywhere between a 137 and 138. My number was 136, so this has risen to the point where I feel comfortable with the under. You've got an Indiana team that has been very solid on defense, not necessarily so solid on offense at Illinois. Though they've been efficient on offense, also a team that they leave a little bit of something to be desired with regards to their tempo as well. If you're looking at this one, and I do wind up shaking down my numbers a little bit when it comes to these early tip times. This one, 9 a.m. Pacific time, noon Eastern time. It is a case in which I'll shade it down typically about a point-ish because if this were a game that was more around, I will call it noon Pacific time, I probably would have set more like a 137, 137 half. So that actually does play a little bit of influence because I don't know about you, but I remember being in college when you wind up having those early call times on the weekends. Sometimes you're not necessarily up for them. So that, that is something that does wind up coming into play here as well. Something else that winds up coming into play this team. Oh boy. I wound up getting a request for this one, and rightfully so, because I mean this has been one of the most interesting teams in all of college basketball, and not for any of the right reasons. We're going 615-616. IUPUI, putting the PU in IUPUI, playing us a Robert Morris. A Robert Morris team that wound up having their leader in assists transfer out of the program about a month ago, and frankly hasn't been that good is between an eight and an eight and a half point favorite. And your total on this game is anywhere to 125 and 125 and a half. And the sad part is it's really hard to disagree with that. I wound up saying Robert Morris as a nine point favorite. I'm looking here at Circa. I'm seeing an eight and I'm going to wind up playing it with Robert Morris. They've been able to get quite a bit of production out of Khalil Spear. A guy that's able to give you 13 points right around seven and a half ish rebounds per game. But what is really interesting about IUPUI is that they've actually covered a couple of numbers. This team has been bad against the spread, but they haven't been cataclysmically bad with IUPUI. They've played four overs and 14 unders because in their games against D1 competition, this is throwing out their game that they wound up playing about a week or so ago against the East-West Phantoms. If you're wondering about the East-West Phantoms, here, I will give you a comparison with regards to high school football. They're the Bishop Sycamore of college basketball, and I'm not even kidding when I wind up saying that. I mean, it's pretty much a sham school in which guys wind up going to it thinking that they've got a chance to play basketball, and it's just sad. But, I mean, that's the East-West Phantoms right there, but that's who IUPUI played to be able to get over 60 points, and, well, they just haven't been able to put the ball in the basket to save their lives. You've got a guy, B.J. Maxwell, who's been able to get the same 10.5 points per game, but IUPUI is actually one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball when it comes to possessions per game, yet they turn the ball over 17 times per game. When you are turning the ball over 17 times per game and you rank 352nd out of 358 D1 teams in terms of possessions per game, that's really bad. Over 25% of their possessions end in a turnover. That is just absolutely ridiculous. And then you've got a Robert Morris team that They've actually done a good job at the free throw line. If this winds up being a case in which they're up by like 
10 points with a minute left, you're actually able to feel really good about them. They shoot 77% at the free line. You've had a lot of guards be able to step up for the team. Michael Green winds up coming in from Brian. You may recall Robert Morris actually two years ago was out there in the NEC where he wanted to play. He's been able to do a good job. He's able to give you double figures. Has had 12 plus points in five other teams last six games. He's been able to do a good job of being able to give you a couple boards as well. I think that Robert Morris should be able to do a solid job of just continuing on this IUPUI team of misery. I'm willing to lay up to nine here when it comes to Robert Morris. And with the total, I want him setting it at a 124.5 because I actually think that Robert Morris has a chance to be able to score 70 in this game. Just a case in which you think IUPUI is going to be able to get to. I'm not even going to say 60 at this point because they've only gotten there once this year, but I would call it 57 and I want it making this pretty much a 66 to 57 ish style game. So we are barely in on the under in this one. I'm going to be continuing that gravy train and I'm going to be taking a look at Robert Morris laying the points. And we just talked a lot about the state of Indiana and you know, who else is from the state of Indiana. That'd be Wes Reynolds. He does a great job over here at the network. Guy literally does a little bit of everything. Coming up next, we're going to be diving into quite a few of the college basketball games that we've got for Saturday. Probably doing a little bit more of a deep dive on the Big Ten as well. And that is going to be coming up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, Esports Bank Network. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. VEASAN has a great new offer that can only be described as madness. You get a VEASAN all access to everything that we do now through the College Basketball Championship on April 4th for just $29. Sign up now and get our daily best bet email, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every single game. This deal only happens once a year, so don't miss out. Visit vcin.com slash madness to sign up today. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Peterson, and it is great to be joined by our guest. As I am a gentleman from the Midwest, and this is also a gentleman from the Midwest, more specifically the great state of Indiana. Wes Reynolds does a little bit of everything over here at the network. You always catch him on the weekends, help him break down college football, NFL list goes on and on, and this guy does a terrific job when it comes to college basketball. You're able to follow Wes on Twitter at Simple Enough. His name, Wes Reynolds, and then the number one at the end of it. And Wes, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Greg, great to be on the experience with you. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you aboard. And it is great that we've got a whole bunch of Big Ten action that is coming up for this Saturday. I'll ask you about your alma mater in a minute, but how about if we go out to my great state of Wisconsin and we got Penn State versus Wisconsin, a between eight to eight and a half line. We're seeing pretty much a mixture of both in the market. Total anywhere between 129 and a half. Seeing the high water mark right now of 131 over there at DraftKings. And I think that it's a really interesting handicap because I would say that Johnny Davis hasn't necessarily been as good in recent games, but the rest of the guys around him, like Tyler Wall, Brad Davidson and company, have been a little bit better. And for Penn State, they've been a little bit of a pesky team. Not a team that is really going to be scoring like 80 points or anything like that, but certainly has been a team that has been a thorn in the side of many. Where do you wind up standing on this one? Because I think that this is going to be not necessarily one of the more marquee games of the day, but one of the more interesting ones. Yeah, I think the number's about right on this game, Greg. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do because that's why I would have made it eight, eight and a half. And 
what you're seeing, you mentioned about Johnny Davis, and he's obviously a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate, but he hasn't been as good lately because they're running two defenders at him, and, and that's what these teams basically are doing that. You saw Illinois do that the other night where they defeated him by 13. You saw Minnesota do that. Nebraska even did that. They're running two defenders at Johnny Davis, and they're just going to say, okay, we're not going to let this guy beat us. We'll take our chance with Brad Davison beating us or Tyler Wall beating us or Hepburn or somebody like that. We're not going to let this guy beat us. And Penn State has been very good defensively. And Penn State's almost playing more like a typical Wisconsin maybe than Wisconsin does. Because if you look, Micah Shrewsbury doesn't have a ton of talent there. Micah's a really good coach, though. He comes from the... Brad, or, uh, Brad Stevens, Matt Painter coaching tree. You look at the tempo, they're slowing it down. They're 349th in the country, slowest tempo team in the conference. So they're kind of a tough team to get margin on. I know Indiana did it about a week ago, but Indiana shot really well. If you look at a lot of these Penn State games, they're very close in the conference. Yeah, it certainly has been intriguing to take a look at the Big Ten because you don't have a single undefeated team within the conference right now. And the team that has been towards the top of the conference all season long has been Illinois. They're going to be going on the road. They're going to be facing off against Indiana, and this is a game in which we've seen a flip of favorites. Illinois wound up opening up a one-point favorite. Now you're seeing anywhere between one to one and a half with Indiana. I personally think that Indiana should be able to pull this one off. Indiana has been terrific at home on the road. It certainly has been a little bit more suspect. I'm not sure where you stand on this one, but I think that this actually might be a little bit of a bad matchup for Kofi Coburn. Yeah, I do like Indiana here, Greg, but what I might do is I might wait for an end game because this is going to be an early start in Bloomington. So if you remember the Purdue game, now that was a Thursday night game and the place was packed and it was loud. The atmosphere could be a little different here because it's a noon game in Bloomington on Saturday afternoon. So I could see Indiana maybe getting out slow out of the gates, kind of like they did against Purdue. If you remember that game at the under 12 timeout at the first half, they were down 16 to eight and then they kind of settled in. I don't want to call this a sandwich spot for Illinois because they do come off the win against Wisconsin and they do have the game against Purdue where they're trying to pay them back from losing in that double overtime game on Martin Luther King day afternoon in Champaign, but Indiana and Illinois are rivals. I wouldn't expect that Illinois is going to be looking past Indiana at all. Hoosiers have had a week to rest and prepare last played at Maryland on Saturday. No Rob Finnessy, and they're probably not going to have him anytime soon, and he was the hero of the Purdue game. But Xavier Johnson, and as an IU fan, as an IU grad and alum, he's the guy I've been on a little bit. But Xavier Johnson, I think, is really kind of settling into his role where he's not forcing it on offense. If the shot's not going down, he knows what his job is, is to get the guys involved and get the bigs involved, especially Indiana is really good at defending the post 93rd percentile for synergy. And I do think that this is a little bit tougher of a matchup against Kofi uh, for Kofi Coburn. If you remember the Purdue game, Greg, Trace Jackson Davis got in foul trouble early. They didn't hardly have his services throughout the game. And Woody Mike Woodson put trace on Zach Eady, which probably was a tactical mistake. So I'm interested to see if he goes trace on him early or if he goes race Thompson on him early race Thompson, the smaller defender, but I think the better position defender than is trace Jackson Davis. So maybe they throw two different guys at Kofi Coburn, try to get him frustrated. Indiana does a good job of getting in transition off missed baskets. They're nine and three against the number at home this season. 
beat Purdue and Ohio State. I think they take down Illinois, but if you don't like the number, don't be afraid to wait for an in-game spot. Maybe get a couple points as a dog. And you're thinking what I'm thinking with regards to that matchup on Kofi Coburn. There aren't too many teams that have two bigs like Indiana with Thompson along Trace Jackson Davis that are able to match up with them. One team that does have that, though, that would be Purdue. They're going to be playing us to Michigan, a Michigan team that, let's call it what it is. They've been one of the biggest disappointments at all of college basketball this year. And right now, you're finding Purdue as a nine-point favorite. Total has come way down. This wound up opening up at 148. Now you're seeing it anywhere between 145, seeing it at as high as a 146 half. I do think that this is now a relatively good buy spot on the over because you do have a Michigan team that they haven't been playing as fast this season, but I do think that they're going to try to find a little bit more tempo. And with Purdue, this team is just a pretty much flamethrower at home when it comes to their three-point shooting. Right. So I do think that now that we've seen this total drop, it's a relatively good buy on the over. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I took 10, and I would still take the nines, the nine and a halves that are out there because, look, Purdue was my pick after the national championship game last year, and I bet them at 25 to 1 to win it all. I still think that they could get to the final four. But what you've seen, and you mentioned how much they're a flamethrower, they have sacrificed their defense for their offense. They're number one in offensive efficiency, but this is not a vintage Matt Painter defensive team. This is a team that really struggles against pick and roll and against the off-ball movement. Their guards, their backcourt, Eric Hunter, Isaiah Thompson, kind of small guards. They struggle on the ball. They can get beat off the bounce. And, you know, and Purdue is willing to kind of risk that because they got two guys down low than these shot blockers like Zach Eady and Travion Williams. But this is not the vintage Purdue team. And I think Michigan, they're starting to run these ball screen actions and off the ball movement really at a high rate. And they've got Dickinson and Devontae Jones in the pick and roll. Michigan isn't what I think they were predicted to be. They were a little bit overrated, I think, to start the season. I watched this team play against Arizona over in the T-Mobile Arena in one of those uh, holiday tournaments around Thanksgiving. And I was like, this team is not very good. They didn't look connected. They didn't look like they enjoyed playing together. I think they're starting to kind of get a little bit right. And just from a matchup standpoint, when you put Hunter Dickinson, a seven-footer, and you have the freshman, 6'11", Diabate, they can rebound with Purdue. They're not going to be beat by Purdue's size here. They're one of the few teams that I think can really match up with Purdue. And Michigan, I do think it still may go over, but they can maybe slow the tempo a little bit because they can run through the post and see if they can get Edie and Williams in foul trouble. I think Michigan is slowly starting to figure it out but they don't have any believers until they beat a really good team. They did beat Indiana a couple weeks ago when they were off a bad spot after that win over Purdue. This is the time I think where Michigan maybe can really prove, okay, we can still be a contender in this conference. I like them getting the points at Mackey. Yep. I wound up saying this at nine. Personally, we saw a couple nine and a half out there. I would rather take a nine rather than lay a nine personally. And Wes, We've got about 45 seconds or so here. Is there another game or two that's really standing out to you? I know that you do a great job when it comes to diving into the big time, but obviously no shortage of games on Saturday. Yeah, I'm looking at a couple spots here. And uh, another one in the big 10, I do like, I do like Rutgers as a small dog at home against Michigan state, the shot quality, Michigan state's been really outperforming their metrics. And I just think going to the rack, I still call it the rack. I know it's the Jersey Mike's arena, but 
Rutgers, I think, is going to be able to hit some shots against Michigan State, and they are a nightmare to play against at home. I know they've been a disappointment, but uh, don't be afraid to take Rutgers as a small underdog against Sparty tomorrow. Rutgers has been a house of horrors for many out there in the Big Ten, so that is going to be an intriguing one. And Wes, I know that you're going to have your finger on the pulse of everything that we're going to be seeing on Saturday. Appreciate you joining me tonight. Thank you so much. You you got it, Greg. Thanks for having me. That is Wes Reynolds. Does an absolutely terrific job here at the network. Got informed on some of the Big Ten games that we're going to be seeing on college basketball on Saturday. And coming up next, we're going to be diving into a lot of what we're going to be seeing in the early slate right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. Are you getting ready to watch a big game? We want to make sure that VSIN is a part of your plans. On Championship Weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on Visa.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It is the biggest game of the year, so make your plans now to join Visa's betting experts before, during, and after the action right here on Visa.com as it is a great Peterson experience right here on Visa and the Sports Bank Network. And unfortunately, when it comes to the biggest game of the year, they are not talking about George Mason versus LaSalle. I thought it was a big game personally, but I have been told that I have been mistaken on that being the biggest game of the year. With that said, it should be a good one next week, as we're going to be talking about that all throughout the week. But with that said, we've got 150 college basketball games that are coming up. Big thanks to Wes Reynolds, who joined me in the last segment to help me break a few of these down. We really went into the Big Ten in that last segment. And how about if we stick with it? We've got this Michigan State versus Rutgers game with Michigan State in a lot of spots, finding themselves right around a two-point favorite. Total on this game, you're going to be getting it right around a 131.5. And I do think that this total 
is a little bit too low just because you do have a Michigan State team that they do a relatively solid job of being able to put points up on the board. A team that is shooting right around 39% for three-point range, top 20 in all of college basketball. And with Rutgers, they are a very, very pesky team at the rack. But I actually like Michigan State in this spot. Set them as a four and a half point favorite because with Michigan State, they have been able to overcome a lot of road tests. And I think that that's very important. Now, got to take into account a little bit of travel. You wind up going from state of Michigan out there to the state of New Jersey. That's not necessarily the easiest trek in the world. But if there's a coach I wind up trusting in to have his team up for this game, to be able to overcome some of these obstacles, it certainly is Tom Izzo. And then when you take a look at Rutgers, they should be able to do a relatively solid job down low. Cliff Amarui, someone that's been able to give this team eight rebounds per game. Paul McKay has been able to give you four assists. Geo Baker, a little bit of a creator, along with a score, 11 half points, a little bit over three assists, shoots well from three-point range. But when it comes to Michigan State, just what you've been able to get out of some of these guys, like a Malik Hall, who's right now shooting over 50% from three-point range, has been superb. You've had Joey Hauser become a much better defender for this team as well. I think that Michigan State has the goods to be able to pull this one off. I wound up saying Michigan State, like I said personally, more around a four and a half point favorite, and I want to make it my total of 135. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I know that was it might be going a little bit more opposite of me, but I think that this is a relatively good spot in this one for Michigan State to be able to get it done. I think that they'll be able to survive this landmine, and any win that you're able to get on the road in the Big Ten should be not taken for granted, aside from, well, if that's against Nebraska, who's yet to win a game out there in the Big Ten, has been. A sad state of affairs, but that said, we're taking a look at Michigan State in this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at an over. Wound up getting a solid request that I absolutely love. We've got a couple Northeast Conference games to be able to break down. These are on the extra games board. Now, if you don't have these available to you, they'll likely be coming up in the AM right now as I'm seeing it. Circa, where I'm at right now, they have these available. You've got a couple other shops that do as well. Typically, when it comes to these games, a lot of them are going to be coming up, I would say, 4, 5 a.m. Pacific time if you're out there on the East Coast, 8, 9 a.m. So be sure to set your alarms for these because on these games, they're going to be starting right around 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we go 306-003, 306-004. Central Connecticut State is going to be playing Osa, Fairleigh Dickinson. Fairleigh Dickinson hopes to be fairly priced as between a 3.5 and a, a four-point underdog. Total on this game, and we're between 135 and a half and 136. I like this 136 under, set my total at a 135 and a half. Would rather have an under rather than an over with Fairleigh Dickinson. This has been a team that typically has been playing a little bit more up tempo. They just don't have the horses to be able to do so this year. I mean, this team got completely gutted, especially with Julio Jenkins heading over to Stony Brook out there in the America East for Fairleigh Dickinson. They rank right around 122nd in the country with regards to possessions per game. Typically, this is a team that's more of a top 50 tempo team. And when it comes to Central Connecticut State, they've actually been able to play some relatively solid basketball recently. I like the way that Sean Sellers has been able to help out this program. You've got Nigel Scantleberry, who has been missing for a couple games this season, was a little bit more pedestrian in the team's last game, but is a guy that at the point guard spot gives you 11 points, three assists per game has been a relatively solid three point shooter. He and Ian Krishanen both are able to shoot between 36 and 37 half percent from three point range. And then you've got Andre Snooty, who's been able to give you seven rebounds per game. He's going to be the best low post player in this game because you don't have a single guy for fairly Dickinson that gives you more than five rebounds per game. It has been a sad state of affairs. Devin Dunn has been able to get her done. He's been able to give you 14 points per game. But when it comes to Fairleigh Dickinson, this is a team that they pride themselves on three-point shooting. They shoot right around 31.5% from three-point range. They turn the ball over 14 times per game. They don't generate any steals whatsoever. 
I mean, it's not like Central Connecticut State is out here looking like five slime a jam or anything like that. But when it comes to Central Connecticut State, I feel comfortable with this number. I'm willing to lay up to a four and a half with them. Also, like I said, set this out at 135 and a half. Keep in mind, a little bit of an earlier tip time. And you don't really want to be, if you're on the borderline, trusting in either of these teams getting it over. You've got a fairly Dickinson team along with Central Connecticut State, both shooting high 60s, low 70s from the free throw line. So they're not terrible, but at the same time, they're not necessarily great either. This is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and I'm going to be looking to lay it here with Central Connecticut State. We've got another one out there in the Northeast Conference. 306 30 Mount St. Mary's going to be playing us a Bryant. Bryant is finding themselves a one and a half point underdog to this game is 140 and a half. And this is actually very notable. Peter Kiss, one of the top scorers at all of college basketball, gives you 21 and a half points per game. He is out for Bryant. You may recall that Bryant versus Long Island game from last Sunday. You wound up having 12 technical fouls. And one of the, shall we say, unintended consequences of that 12 technical foul game is that you had a lot of suspensions. Ty Flowers of Long Island wound up serving his last game along with Alex Rivera. I believe that Derek Kellogg of Long Island, the good old Sharks, wound up having a suspension for that as well. They're going to be back. The one guy that wound up getting hit with two games is Peter Kisso, so he is going to be out of the fold. And this is a Mount St. Mary's team that they've got three different guys that give you five-plus rebounds per game. Malezi Afram along with Donna Akpu, and then you're able to throw in there Malik Jefferson. Akpu is able to give you right around 1.8 blocks per game. You're able to get right around a block and a half per game out of Jefferson. So these guys were relatively solid. And then Jalen Benjamin, the transfer from UAB, be able to give the team 14 points per game. And this is a Mount St. Mary's team that typically is not a good three-point shooting team. They're shooting right around 36.8% from three-point range. Josh Reeves has been able to give you eight points. He's been nails from three-point range, and this is a Bryant team that they shoot right around 30% from three. Now, Greg Kaxlixi has been able to give you 19 rebounds in the last two games. He comes in from George Mason, so give him a lot of credit. Hal Alisaeus is someone that's able to give you right around three blocks per contest, but all of a sudden, you need Chris Childs to have another performance like he wound up having against the team that they wound up playing the last time. He wound up going off in Bryant's last game for 44 points and 14 rebounds. I can tell you right now, against this Mount St. Mary's team, he's not getting 44 points and 14 rebounds. So that means that you have to go down there. You're going to be having to rely upon more of the ancillary guards for Bryant, and I just don't think that they're going to be able to get the job done in this spot. Wound up setting the soda at 138. Got a Bryant team that they play relatively up-tempo Mount St. Mary's. They always play a little bit of a low and slow pace, so you've got a little bit of a tortoise in the hair situation. I always say that it's a little bit easier to slow a team down rather than to speed one up. Brian, they rank with regards to possessions per game in the top 30. Mount St. Mary's more around 290th. I think Mount St. Mary's wins out, especially with Peter Kiss being suspended for this game. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under, set my total at 138. I'm willing to lay up to four here with Mount St. Mary's because I made Peter Kiss worth three points to the line. So it's a typical spot in which if Peter Kiss were in there, you might have a little bit of value. Peter Kiss is not though. So we're going to be taking a look at the under and we're going to be taking a look at, at Mount St. Mary's in this spot. And then when it comes to a little bit more mainstream college basketball. How about if we wind up going into this Iowa State versus Texas game? 643-644 on the betting board. We'll hit Duke versus North Carolina at the top of next hour. That is going to be the DK Nation pick. But when it comes to Iowa State, Texas, you've got Texas being back to a relatively sizable favorite. Open up an eight-point favorite. Now you're finding them at nine in your total on game. Anywhere between 120.5 and 121.5. Last time these two teams played, by the way, keep in mind that both teams were able to get to 70. This is a revenge spot for Texas. When they wound up going to Ames, they wound up taking that loss. But this is a spot in which I think that we went a little bit too low with the total. I don't think that 
either team might wind up getting 70, but I think both teams have a puncher's chance of being able to get to 60. Wound up saying my total at 124.5, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and I think that Iowa State should be able to cover this number. I wound up saying this line at 8 personally. I'm a little bit surprised that we've gotten up this high because Texas has, quite frankly, been a big, fat disappointment this year. Marcus Carr does look a little bit better. Nine plus points at eight out of the team's last 10 games. You've been able to have someone like Timmy Allen give you 11 and a half points, five and a half boards. You've got the returners from last year and Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey being able to combine for 19 points per game. But take a look at Caleb Grill. Good off-the-bench shooter for the Iowa State team. High 30s from three-point range, right around eight or so points per game. You've had someone in Tyrese Hunter really do a good job. He and Greg, he and Gabe Kelsher, both give you right around four and a half seals per game between the two of them. Neither necessarily should have great from three-point range, but having Isaiah Brockington be the ultimate Swiss Army knife out there, 16 points, eight and a half boards, a little bit over a block per game, shoots nearly 40% from three-point range, should be able to keep Iowa State at bay. I think that this comes down to late game following, so you're at 121 and a half. I'm looking at the over, and I'm looking at taking nine here with regards to Iowa State. Coming up next, we're going to be hitting on the big one. It is one of the biggest rivalries in sports. Duke versus North Carolina. Going to be breaking down that game and much more on this college basketball Saturday. Up next, right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 